We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. George Klauber is a Chicago-based fine artist born in 1938 on the city's southwest side. His artwork is highly influenced by tattoos. Tattoos, he says, are strongly part of him and strongly part in him. The subject matter of his paintings includes maritime themes, Native American themes, and of course, tattoos. I am very grateful that George sat with me. I am a huge fan of his artwork. It is really amazing. You need to check it out. I am pleased to present my conversation with George Klauba. You know, when you're tattooing somebody, you're you're really close to somebody. Really close. I mean, I don't mean just physically. I mean, inches away, but you're, you're holding your skin. You know, uh, their blood is dripping out on your hand as you're tattooing. We didn't have gloves then. We didn't wear. This was in the uh, in the uh, 70s and early 80s, you know. And uh, you, you, the person is breathing on you or you're very close. And a lot of times you pick up vibes inside of the person. You're picking up the mind of the person, you know. And uh, it gets a little shaky and uh, spooky. And a lot of times you don't want to get close to these two people, but you are close tattooing. So a lot with my with my imagery and my artwork, uh, you know, people look at it and say, "Look at these these crazy paintings you're doing. These really weird looking people." Well, this is how I'm exploring visually what I felt about a about a client or somebody, you know, yeah. uh, coming through. Yeah. And uh, when you were experiencing that tattoo situation where you're giving someone a tattoo and you're in this intimacy, physical intimacy, the breathing, the blood. I'm assuming that you had never been, you had never had that kind of connection with another person, a stranger, yeah. right? That, that's that's correct. That's, that's correct. And this is uh, sort of a hard thing to deal with, I think. And, uh, and uh, through the years, not too many years, it bothered me enough where I just got out of tattooing. I wasn't, uh, I don't think I was strong enough there to just let this stuff bypass me. I kept absorbing it, and it, uh, I think it re- really took a toll on me after a while mentally. It sounds like it was not positive energy that you were mostly receiving. Correct, correct. Was, wow. Yeah. The people that are getting tattoos now is everybody. Back in the 70s, it wasn't everybody. It sounds like it was a yeah. subset of people. What, yes. what was it? Can you tell me about the people that were getting tattoos in the 70s? Well, again, this goes back to the 50s and 40s and 30s beyond, uh, where tattooing was more of a, uh, a ritual with different groups. Uh, it wasn't so much of today where people want to uh, identify with a butterfly or have their name or on their arm or something. 
sailors got tattooed. Uh, gangster, you know, ga- gang gangs got tattooed. Let, let, let's take. Can we take a sailor for? Why would a sailor get a tattoo well, back sa- then? Yeah, sailors again. Uh, it's a tr- an old tradition, an old navy tradition in a way. But it's a lot dealing with uh, that you're in in a um, a group like a clan in a way, a family. You belong here, and your identification is also what you wear on your skin. What you wear on your skin is what you believe inside of you, what your beliefs are and feelings, but you're wearing uh, for the world outside to see your representation of you through their skin, to see what you are, where you came from. Do you think that tattoos used to be a way for people to show that they belong to a group, as opposed to now it's about individuality? I think it was based basically a group type of thing, you know, instead of individuality. Some of the uh, clientele would be uh, gang members coming in. And, uh, you know, <laughs> a guy sits down in a chair, you know, and he takes off his shirt, and you could just feel this guy is dead. You could just feel it. Uh, he's not going to live long. I mean, you could almost feel like he's exuding this. I mean, he's got uh, bullet wounds on him. He's got knife scars on him. He's got old tattoos of skulls and daggers and, you know, gang symbols and everything. And, and you just know this guy is not going to last forever, man, you know. And you, you, here you are getting close to this guy and really intimate, in a way, with, with his body and, and his mind as you're working on him, you know. Yeah. And uh, this, this comes across pretty deeply. As a kid, uh, my mom was uh, pretty uh, tuned in to me uh, of what I was that as a kid. And she used to pull me out to take me over to the Art Institute and uh, the uh, Field Museum of Natural History, which was really fascinating to me. And uh, I, I just... I just was a natural with this. I just felt so good seeing these things and seeing all this stuff, visual and uh, beauty and and angst and anger and everything. It was just uh, fantastic as as a kid. And uh, this really uh, uh, tuned me on to uh, draw as a kid. I used to just spend time drawing a lot, very quiet, uh, shy, just uh, by myself and making drawings. And a lot was this was during the war years in the early 40s. And uh, I was drawing just things that are war a lot, you know, drawing airplanes and uh, ships exploding and dead soldiers and everything and all this here stuff with the war and everything, Japanese and Germans, you know, uh, and it was filling my mind up quite a bit. But uh, but a lot of the, uh, the things from my ma helped me uh, grow also with this. Were you a social kid or were you... Like, were you, did you like have a lot of friends and did you no. play with a lot of kids or are you just kind of home drawing? No, I, I was just an outsider. I just, uh, I felt more comfortable just being with myself and my imagination and then uh, a pencil and paper and crayons. Uh, that's where I really felt I belonged. Now, I know your dad had a traditional job, but he also had something else <laughs> that he did. And I think this is extremely interesting. Can you tell me, you know, tell people about what your dad did? Yeah, my dad, uh, he was a machinist inspector at the International Harvester. But on his uh, off time, on his spare time, uh, he he loved to play with and delve into magic. And uh, he uh, he worked with magic and became a uh, semi-professional magician. Uh, in fact, his uh, 
His stage name was Prince Zombie. And uh, he would uh, sometimes show at some of the theaters in the city. Uh, at that time in the 40s, early 50s, they had, uh, when they'd have a movie at, at a, a, a movie theater, they would have a, 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 some type of act in between movies, maybe about a five-minute act or, or a three-minute act of something, like a vaudeville type of thing. And my dad would perform, and I'd go backstage, backstage with him and uh, help him set up his little uh, podium or whatever, his little gear. And, uh, and I'd watch him backstage as he would put on a little five-minute show. Uh, he would practice like every night. He was so diligent in this. I mean, uh, he really, uh, really worked at this and uh, worked hard at it and perfected it. Uh, the idea that he did this on a side by working full-time, I mean, having three kids, uh, he was a pretty busy guy. And, and tired in his evenings and weekends, but he spent so much time into this to perfect it. And uh, through the years, it made me think that maybe I've been following a little bit in his steps too. Uh, when I became a uh, full-time commercial artist uh, for a living, uh, after a while, a couple of years, I, it didn't satisfy me. I had to uh, express myself in the evenings or weekends by developing uh, something in fine arts, something that I felt... Uh, was needed and something I had to say that I had to get out. You went into the Navy right after high school. Is that accurate? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And were you drawing and producing artwork up until then? Not really. Uh, I, I really got out, you know, going into high school, I didn't really draw much. I don't think I did. I can't remember anything like that there. I just started to uh, grow up as a t average teenager trying to live my life, what's going on around me, where am I going and everything, and hanging around with buddies and everything. Although I still had a feeling with art because I did uh, tattoo myself as a kid and tattooed some of my friends, and that was uh, sort of something that I got uh, uh, fascinated by and I wanted to explore more. Ooh, okay, well, uh, when well, what age was that that you were actually? Oh, it's probably about fifteen years old, okay. maybe about four, right. maybe about fifteen years old. Yeah. When did you first get exposed to tattoos, and where? I was so much aware of uh, a lot with the uh, the veterans coming home from the war, and what they wore on their skins. I remember it was sitting on, on uh, riding on a streetcar with my mom, you know, going somewhere. And you'd see somebody sitting there in a T-shirt, and he'd have uh, uh, Death Before Dishonor on his arm with a dagger to a Japanese skull, maybe. Uh, you know, or Remember Pearl Harbor, or Death from Iwo Jima, you know. And all these uh, violent things uh, that were reminiscent of where, they, where he came from, from the Pacific or from Germany. And it was, it really told me something. These guys are wearing stories on their body, you know, and you look at them, you know, and, and their lined faces or maybe just a young blonde kid or something, but he had his tattoos on it. made me, made my mind just fly out. What did he see? Where did he come from? Why did he get this tattoo? What happened to him, you know? That type of thing. So you saw it as like a story. A story. Like a, like a doorway into a story exactly. as opposed to just yeah, a piece yeah, of artwork. It was like a portal, you know, going into somebody's life in a way, you know. And uh, it just fascinated me. And, and I, 
you know, again, that's where I think I wanted to tattoo myself, too. Uh, I didn't have any image in mind or anything like that, too, but I, I just uh, had the, you know, you, as a kid, you always hear about uh, you get a, a sewing needle and you wrap a thread around it close to the point and you dip in Indian ink and you just go over like in lines pricking into the skin, and dot lines like that, and you make a tattoo, a permanent tattoo on somebody, you know. And I did a tattoo on my arm, sort of like a, a group of uh, guys that we hung around with, uh, a small gang, you might say, you know. And I tattooed that on with a dagger, and I tattooed a couple of the other fellows, you know. At 15? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. What, so do you still have that tattoo? I had it covered up when I went to the Navy. All right. I had it covered up. Uh, I wanted it covered up once I got in the Navy. I got a tattoo of an uh, eagle on my right arm there that covered it up. Wow, that is, that's fascinating. It was an old gang tattoo. <laughs> that's, that's fascinating. Okay, so then you went into the Army. Uh, Navy, Navy. The Navy, rather, sorry. You know, I spent three years uh, aboard ship, and uh, after about a, uh, two and a half years, I better, I was thinking about, geez, I'm going to be getting out soon. What am I going to do? You know, I never thought of this before, except maybe house painting, which my uncle uh, was stirring me into. And I thought, I don't know if I want to be a house painter, man. I'm painting so much in the Navy, you know, painting gray paint all over the ship all the time, you know. I wanted to do something, uh, and I, I felt something that I think I have something inside of me I wanted to say. And I don't know how to say that or express that, but I th thought I'd like to go to art school. Uh, so I started to do a little bit more drawing, of which I did on and off, uh, just writing letters and using letter paper and drawing pinups of girls and everything, you know. And that's the only drawing I did aboard ship. I used to pass them out to guys. And, uh, and were those done from memory? Or? Yeah, just from memory, just doodling with a pen and paper, just trying to uh, picture a, uh, a pinup girl, yeah, Betty yeah. Grable or, or, or somebody, you know, uh, you know, and picture up in you know, a sexy outfit or something like that there, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and as time got closer, uh, I, I, as I was getting, well, before I was getting discharged, I, I thought of writing to, the, uh, writing to the Yard Institute of Chicago and uh, applying for something uh, for schooling if I could get out and uh, uh, go to school there. Uh, and uh, I think I wrote home to my parents. I got an address and wrote to them, wrote to the Yard Institute, and they sent me a form to fill out, and they wanted uh, examples of my drawings. <laughs> and Jesus, I, I really didn't have anything except these pinups or whatever, you know, just stupid things, you know. Made a couple of drawings of the ships and everything and, uh, and everything, and, uh, and I, so I sent them to the Yard Institute. Well, I got a letter eventually back, an envelope back from the Yard Institute, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was almost at a point of, uh, do not, uh, do not apply here, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really uh, uh. crestfallen at that point. I didn't know what to do, you know. And uh, so anyway, when I did get out, uh, I decided to, uh, with the help of my brother, he steered me in, in along to going to applying to a commercial art school. And uh, which I did, American Academy of Art down in the loop. And uh, I went there and uh, they accepted me and I loved it. I went there two years full time. You said something inside of you needed to be expressed and you applied to the Art Institute. For a male year at that time, was there anyone else you knew that was being an artist? No, I didn't know anybody else who wanted to be an artist who wasn't or who was an artist. And I just felt that was a. Uh, 
maybe unique in myself, but that was just my background before of what I do, do what I did when I was growing up, doing drawings and everything, and feeling something about art. I think it's a feeling, it's empathy for uh, for something, it's empathy for others. I think, uh, and uh, something different from from myself. You pursued the commercial art. It sounds like that was very interesting for you. Um, what was tattoo still part? on your life? Was it still on your radar at all when you were started as a commercial artist? Uh, tattoo was not on my radar at, at that point. I was still, uh, I was proud of my Navy tattoos, put it that their way. I, I love to walk around in the summer with a short sleeve shirt on showing off my Navy tattoos. It showed where I came from, what I was, you know, and I, and I, uh, I enjoyed that. I just wanted to stay with, uh, with the artwork and, uh, see where I could find a job, uh, a living, uh, I got married, uh, got a job uh, eventually at the Chicago Sun-Times in the city here, and uh, as a graphic designer, I worked there for over 30 years doing artwork, uh, doing a layout and paste up and illustration for ads and uh, things for the newspaper, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. But again, it's the type of thing that even after maybe about a year or so, I felt that uh, it wasn't enough for me. I had to do something on my own, explore something uh, on my off time. And that's where I think I was getting like my dad in a way, going back, you know, beyond a regular everyday job. You know, you got to do something what you really, what's inside you, what your core is about, you know. And uh, so I started to work things out in the evening and my spare time in the weekends and just uh, do things of what I, I felt. And I started to uh, learn about on my own about woodcuts and did woodcut printing. And I did a couple of illustrations on woodcut and did more and more with that there. More of that with that. And also started to feel the old uh, tattoo bug creeping up in me uh, as far as imagery which I started to explore into my woodcut uh, prints. And then at some point you got a job at a tattoo shop. Yeah, uh, right. This was after uh, quite a few years working at the Sun-Times. Again, I uh, and working you know, out of my home doing artwork with the uh, paintings and that even paintings I was developing uh, with my artwork with tattoos. I uh, was still uh, feeling I wanted to get closer, close, more and close to tattooing. And I started hanging around Cliff Raven's shop on Belmont there a little bit more and more on my off time. And I felt that I wanted to get closer by learning that tattoo and actually doing it. But I wanted to uh, just get more involved with it to understand it more, becoming closer so my paintings of tattooed people and tattooed imagery would become more more shining, more glowing, more understandable, uh, more out there, you know, more uh, putting something into it that hopefully people could see more and feel. I started apprenticing at a tattoo shop. I apprenticing under Dale Grande and uh, Buddy McFall, Mac, uh, who was a great, uh, great old art artist, tattoo artist with a fantastic background. And I apprenticed for a while there, and then I left, uh, had a, heard, heard about a job opening on the southwest side of the city at the Chicago Tattoo Emporium. And I applied over there, and uh, things worked out. I worked uh, there in the evenings and weekends uh, for a while, and I got a lot of experience, and uh, it was fantastic. And that's, again, after a while where <laughs> it just got to me too much, and I think I was had to get out of this. Yeah. So. What uh, what years were, were were those? 
I was tattooing, uh, tattooing at the uh, southwest side, probably around the late seventies. Uh, now, in uh, the seventies, what were, the, how would you describe the clientele that were getting tattoos? Was it all men? Was it men and women? Can you just? Oh, describe? it was men and, and men and women. What kind of women were getting tattoos in the late seventies? Well, at that point, uh, in a shop, I was getting a lot of biker girls. <laughs> so uh, they, they wanted the, the Harley Davidson tattoo or a rose, you know, or a flower or a butterfly. Uh, that was about it, you know. But but did a lot of uh, Harley Davidson tattoos and uh, motorcycle, motorcycle tattoos. And uh, one guy, I did a uh, Harley Davidson tattoo, and I misspelled Davidson. I forgot uh, the S, I think it was. And uh, he's. <laughs> and I thought later, I didn't spell that right on this guy. And I thought, oh, man, this guy's going to come back. What am I going to do, you know? And I talked to uh, to Snake, the owner, <laughs> about, about that. He says, ah, don't worry about it, you know. And he says, uh, yeah, he saw this guy later on. He says, he told me about the tattoo industry. He says, he's hard to like it because it was different. You know? There you <laughs> go. <laughs> so anyway. I always wondered what would happen if misspellings <laughs> happened in tattoos. So apparently well, they do. I was lucky there. <laughs> now, I know at some point doing tattoos kind of activated you into fine art. Can, can you tell me about how things transitioned into, you know, from tattooing to fine art? Well, again, I don't know how to, how to really say that. Again, I wanted to try to, you know, by starting off with doing some painting, something with tattoo imagery, I just didn't want to do a tattoo. I wanted to do something like with a story in a, in a picture, in, a, in paint, uh, uh, so I, a, a painting, a valid painting. So I tried to do uh, a story with this, like a person. Who is this person wearing a tattoo that I'm trying to portray here? Uh, what What is he? Where did he come from? What's his story? What's his background? And I would develop things from there. Uh, maybe create a uh, create a, a image of a, a man or a woman uh, with an interesting hairdo or uh, uh, a shirt or something on or, or, or holding something in their hand and make up a story about them and then do a, do a tattoo on them and relate it to their story and start to show the imagery and try to relate it and create, try to create an image, a, a full-blown valid painting out of this here, you know, which I would hopefully call fine art and people would recognize it as fine art. Yeah. Uh, do those stories and, you know, when you're working on a particular piece and there's a narrative and a story, is that something that develops while you're doing it or is it something you think of and then you know that you need to execute that on a surface? Well, I have an idea where I want to start something and uh, start to ex execute it and have to have a plan, you know, whatever you're going to do here. But once I start going with it, 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 it uh, goes on different tangents and, uh, and surprisingly different tangents, too. And it, it changes. It changes form. The more I'm working on it, the more I'm putting my mind and feeling into it. And it usually comes out of something different than what I had in mind. And a surprisingly, surprisingly good, different, different. Uh, sometimes it comes out bad, different, and that's a damn mistake. Then it has to be thrown out, painted over, whatever. But, 
mostly it comes out in a surprisingly different uh, thing, and it comes down to the feeling I'm I'm trying to deal with and putting into it. Yeah, you me- you mentioned that sometimes some past art that you had tattooed on someone shows up in your paintings now. What else shows up? I always say my paintings come from my past and from my experiences, and uh, it's what I'm really feeling. Uh, if I'm doing a painting of uh, a person, I am feeling that person, whether it's a memory of a person or persons that I've known or felt or, or whatever or dealt with before, or my imagination of imagination of this person, or my imagination of what this person is or was or did feel. And I think those uh, start to come out uh, from my mind, through my hand, into my work. Do you feel that the artwork that you've been producing is expressing what you want? Do you feel satisfied? Do you feel like, do you feel frustrated with what you're producing? Do you feel like it's actually, I am getting it, it out there, whatever it is? Oh, like like uh, like many artists, I think I'm trying to get, get my feelings out uh, uh, on a canvas or on a board or whatever. Uh, and uh, hopefully that people could read this. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm putting everything into it and my feeling uh, of the person and what I'm trying to get out into it. But I'm not sure if it's coming across or not. Sometimes there's a feeling, there's a connection where all of a sudden you feel like, like you're in the zone, you know, where everything becomes almost like you're, like you're flying, like you're in space. And uh, what's coming out of your hand is just like, uh, like pure gold and it's smooth. <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, you are getting something. It's what you wanted to say. It's what you wanted to see. And, uh, and that's a solitary, uh, not a, a common moment. But every now and then that does appear and that comes out. And uh, I feel wrung out afterwards. And I feel lucky for having experienced it and putting it down. George, thank you very much for uh, spending this time with me. Rick, thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.